Well, good morning, fellowship. We were so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. We all stand and let's start worshiping together.
All right. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. So glad you're here. Hey, before you take a seat, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a couple of us in here today. And so if you could help us out as we've got folks that are still coming in the back looking for a seat, go ahead and scoot over to the left if you can. That way it'll leave some seats on that end of the row. And as people are coming in, we can make sure that we all get in here. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Andy Petrie, uh, and I have the privilege of leading our Celebrate Recovery ministry here, and I'll talk a little bit about that here in a second. Uh, we've got a couple uh, opportunities that we wanted to make you aware of. Uh, the first one of those is, is this. It's a class called Merge. And so if you are somebody who is seriously dating or engaged, this is uh, the, the class that we use to, to help what, see what it looks like for us to, to come together in, in marriage uh, and, and to set us up well for that. And so if you're in that season right now that you're seriously dating or engaged, uh, this is a great, great option. Uh, and so scan that QR code and take a look at that. We also have a, uh, a class coming up called Discover Good News. Uh, this is a, a class designed to help us uh, learn what it looks like to, to share our faith in a, in a winsome way with, within our culture right now. And so I know Garland and the team are really excited about this class. And so if you've been struggling with what does it look like for me to share my faith well, and how do I even do that, and how can I get some practical tools, this is a great class for that as well. Well, I mentioned just a second ago, I get the chance to, to lead our Celebrate Recovery ministry here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And if, uh, and if you're new here or, or if you haven't really heard about Celebrate Recovery, you might be wondering, what in the world is that? Well, Celebrate Recovery exists to provide our church a safe place for anybody to work through whatever hurts, whatever hangups, whatever habits might be going on in our life through connecting and it, with a strong relationship in Jesus and strong community around them. And I'm so glad that we have Celebrate Recovery here at our church because it's not only changed my life, but it's changed the life of a lot of people that uh, I know and love. Uh, the reality is, is that no matter what our story is, every single one of us, if we've got a pulse in here, there's brokenness in our lives. And we have a God that died so that we could find freedom and hope from whatever we're carrying, whatever burdens we have. And I know sometimes when we talk about Celebrate Recovery, we might be wondering, is that for me? And first off, I wanna say yes, it is. And second of all, I wanted to bring a friend of mine up here who's been a part of Celebrate Recovery for a while now to, so you can hear a little bit of her story. And so would you welcome Michelle up? Yeah. So, Michelle, first off, would you mind giving your CR introduction? I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I celebrate recovery over suicidal thoughts, and I struggle with codependency, depression, and anger, and my name is Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Uh, so, Michelle, what, did it, what was going on in your life that uh, made you say, I, I'm going to check Celebrate Recovery out, and what did it look like for you to get a little bit more plugged in with Celebrate Recovery, going to... The, the Friday nights that we have, and, and, and eventually joining one of our small groups called a Step Study. Um, so I was living in a, living a life of dysfunction. I was in a lot of emotional pain, um, and my life was just unmanageable. 
I was um, at the end of a failing marriage and uh, taking care of an aging mom with dementia. Yeah. So you were in a pretty, pretty chaotic part in your life. And this is, I've heard about this. I'm going to jump into it. What did you expect to find? I expected to find out that I was a terrible person, that I was the person that this world had led me to believe. Yeah. And so as you got plugged into it, what, what was it that you actually found? I found that I'm a child of God, that I'm loved and accepted. I found a community. I found a family. Um, and I learned to not walk in dysfunction as much. Yeah. How would you say you're different now? I can see myself and the world through Jesus' eyes now. That's good, man. And if you had the, the opportunity to, let's say if you were sitting in this room from five, six years ago when you walked into this, what would you want to tell yourself right now? There's hope and there's healing. Celebrate Recovery is a place to help find that. Thanks, Michelle. Appreciate you. Hey, let's give it up for Michelle. Well, one of the things we firmly believe here at Fellowship is that uh, we fully know that all of us have stuff, but we also fully know that no matter what that baggage is that we're carrying with us, our God is strong enough to carry all of that. You're not alone in that. There's people that want to come around you in it, and if you're in a spot where you want to jump in to finding some further freedom and hope, come and check out Celebrate Recovery on any Friday night. We start our night at 7 o'clock. We'd love to see you there. Hey, as we head back into another time of worship, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, we love you. Thank you for this morning. And God, thank you that no matter what it is we may be carrying with us, Father, you are so much bigger and stronger than it. Lord, that you are the God that is with us, that Jesus sees us in our stuff. And Lord, we can praise him and worship him because we know that he meets us right in the middle of it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's together this morning pause. Let's remind ourselves that we are in need of a Savior, that we're all sinners that fall short. And so let's say this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. A lot of times that truth is a lot easier to tell ourselves than the truth that follows it. It sounds like that was part of Michelle's story, but Michelle found this truth to be um, completely real. And so church, if you are in Christ, there is good news. So church, believe that good news, that Jesus died for us, Jesus rose for us, Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever, amen. In church this morning, we get to celebrate the manifestation of this with believer's baptism. Well, good morning, fellowship. I wanna introduce you to my friend Mark as he makes his way in on these slippery steps. I warned him not to baptize himself before he got all the way down here. There we go. Hey, y'all, Mark 
is retired from the U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service to our nation. Mark was telling me right before this baptism, he's seen more countries than states. Think about that. He's been all over the world. But during those years in the Navy, Mark wasn't as concerned about spiritual things. And it was after he retired, his wife, Kathy, who's right down here with her daughter and their grandsons. Kathy wanted to go to church, and so Mark said, well, I'll go to church with you. And it was sitting in our services here at Fellowship in the Daniel Esther series. God can use any part of his word to convict somebody. Mark felt the Lord stirring in his heart, and Mark told me it was during a service when he gave his heart to the Lord, he said, I felt like a cinder block came off my chest. And so Mark, is it your story in front of your family and your church family that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you're trusting him, his death, his resurrection for eternal life? Yes. Well, then it's my pleasure and privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I guess that's how they do it in the Navy. <laughs> I want to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Man, praise God. Church, this morning we're excited because we get to kick off a new sermon series. We're going to be studying the book of Philippians for several weeks leading us up into the Advent season. And so we're gonna spend some good time in this. Um, and our church has been preparing for this in a lot of different ways. Um, none more important than prayer. And, but one of the ways that we prepare as a team is our, our worship leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville, once a month we get together and, and we write songs and we look out and we see um, what, what studies are coming up. And the first thing we do is we open the word of God and we begin to read it. So we did that with this book of Philippians. We just, we as a team read the book. We tried to identify key themes that we were seeing over and over again. And so we've written a song for this series and we've written it for you and for us so that um, these words from, from this book, so many words from this song are taken straight from this book of Philippians um, that we can uh, better memorize them, that they can better be on our hearts because we're singing them, we're putting them to melody. Um, and so it's, it's a privilege to be able to introduce this song to you. And, and again, it comes from so much scripture, but I wanted to read just one passage that we, that we settled in on because we kept seeing this theme of joy and joy um, that is lasting from Christ and from Christ alone. And so Philippians 4 Verse 11 through 13 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's through Christ alone that we are satisfied. So that's good news. So church, this song we're about to sing, we know it's a new one. We're gonna be singing it a lot over the next few weeks. And so we pray that, um, that it would bless you. Um, you, can, you can go home today and listen to it. It's on all the streaming platforms. It's called To Live As Christ. And we hope that you 
uh, listen to it often um, throughout this series, that it stirs your affections for the Lord. So if you would, let's stand together. We'll sing this song. Of you, I found nothing of 
pursue other things apart from you and we think other things will fill us with joy we know that it is fleeting but God your word has revealed to us where complete lasting joy comes from it's through the son it's through the love we see through Jesus so father may we cling to that and give us peace it's in your son's name You may be seated. Yeah. Well, good morning, church family. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning with you, my church family. My name's Clark. I have the privilege of serving as one of your pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. I wanted you to meet a friend of mine. His name is Peter, his wife, Janet, and their family. They're here this morning, and uh, they serve on the staff of a ministry called VIA, and uh, formerly known as the Center for Mission Mobilization. They're just one mile uh, south of here, and many of you support um, their staff. Um, their goal is to reach the nations through the nations, and so they've got a really unique strategy of mobilizing people um, to minimize barriers to get the gospel to the unreached, and so Peter's on the front lines of that strategy, and we met through Discover membership, through Discover Fellowship um, in our home, and got to know them and hear their story, and we had lunch a few weeks ago with our college pastor, and Peter, you said something to me. You said, First Peter, our study in that has been really good, but really difficult. And I said, well, why is that, Peter? And he said, because we're exiles. And it hit me that he had to leave his home 
because he was communicating the good news of Jesus and he had to be removed from his country and he's found his home here now. And so processing the scriptures of being in exile was very personal to you. And I appreciate that insight. Um, God used that to, to grow me in our friendship. And uh, I've asked him to read our scripture today in Malay, and we're going to celebrate uh, the good news in Philippians, as one day all languages will celebrate around the throne of Jesus, and we're going to get a glimpse of that this morning. Would you read for us? Aku bersyukur kepada Allah setiap kali aku teringat akan kamu dan aku sentiasa mendoakanmu dengan sukacita dalam setiap permohonanku kerana persahabatanmu dalam Injil dari mulanya hingga sekarang. Aku yakin bahawa Allah yang telah memulakan suatu pekerjaan yang baik dalam dirimu akan menyudakannya hingga hari Yesus Kristus. Wajarlah aku memikirkan demikian tentang kamu semua kerana kamu sentiasa dalam hatiku. Kamu juga turut mendapat kasih kurnia Allah bersamaku baik dalam hal aku dipenjarakan ini maupun dalam mempertahankan dan menegurkan Injil. Allah menjadi saksiku bahawa aku amat merindui kamu dengan kasih Kristus Yesus. Inilah doaku. Semoga kasihmu bertambah-tambah dengan pengetahuan dan pengertian supaya kamu dapat mengetahui perkara-perkara yang baik, sentiasa tulus ikhlas dan tidak bersalah Hingga hari Kristus serta dipenuhi dengan buah perbenaran yang datang melalui Yesus Kristus untuk memuji dan memuliakan Allah. Thank you, Peter. Hey, I want to pray for you guys in your ministry. Let's pray for them, um, Father. For all the Via staff um, that call our church home, just pray for them. Um, give them wisdom and discernment as they think through ways to get the gospel to where it's never been heard or known. God, I pray that you would uh, just raise up mobilizers to partner with them. Um, God, for um, Peter and his family specifically, and I pray that you would uh, just be faithful to them and as they raise support, as they prepare to travel and uh, mobilize others. God, I pray grace on their families, their children. Um, God, I pray to be a home full of gospel hope and joy as Peter so shows to me. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Peter. I don't need two mics. I'll get to yelling in a minute anyway. So, hey, I really am grateful. I, man, I love this church. And uh, just studying Philippians together is going to be good times for us um, as a family. Uh, many of us are going to learn some hard things uh, through suffering even. Um, this fall as we work through unpacking the gospel and what it means to have joy in our circumstance. Um, I don't want to miss the opportunity, though, to just remind you of a tool and a resource that we have available for you. Um, if you're new with us, um, on some of our series, we try to provide you with a study guide. And so these are available out in the foyer in the information booth. 
And uh, basically, we have the text for each passage we're going to be teaching in there. We've got a devotional guide for, for you during the week with some other passages. Uh, there's a place for notes for your sermon, discussion questions for your small group, and then there's a little bit of summary and commentary as well. And so if you don't have one of those, we just brought more down from our North Campus and Rogers, and we should have plenty for everybody. Um, so pick one of those up um, before you leave today. It'll be super helpful. In the spirit of partnership, I do want to say thank you uh, again to you, our church family, for your partnership in a variety of things. And one being, I just got a note this week that um, we were able to send um, $5,000 to two different churches in Maui because of your commitment to our disaster relief fund. And so we received news from two pastors at churches there, um, and uh, they just wanted to say thank you. And so on behalf of them, I want to say thank you to you for your investment in what God's doing in those churches in their time of need. Um, also, um, we have the privilege, and this is really due to Aaron Parks and, and our family team, to host Christ Church's junior high ministry and women's ministry on Wednesday nights here through the spring. And so we're super excited about um, their new plant that's going to happen in the old Sears building. And many of you know folks uh, that are part of that church. And so um, it's a way that if, if you wouldn't have given in your generosity to make this building happen, we couldn't do things like that. And we can't do that with everybody, um, but they're going to be here um, this semester. And then over the summer, um, we had a local organization reach out, and um, they were rescuing people um, from sex trafficking. And they brought a team of, of medical personnel, and they were able to use our parking lot and our building down here on the West End um, to do that. And so you may not hear a lot of those things a lot of times, but in this case, your generosity matters. And you're partnering to bring the hope of the gospel to those who are in need. And so I just, I didn't want to get too far without just saying thank you. And so really proud to call you my brothers and sisters and, um, and how you make these things happen. Well, we are going to celebrate uh, partnership today as we look at this big idea, gospel partnership produces a life of grateful joy and transformational prayer. And we're going to see that in these first 11 verses as we unpack what authentic joy in gospel partnership looks like. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to just start working through it verse by verse, uh, Philippians 1 and 2 here. Um, if you don't have your Bibles and need one, we'd love to be able to get you one. Uh, bring your Bibles with you. Um, the study guide's going to be huge, but we want to teach you how to be self-feeders on the Scripture in the context of community so that the Word of God, um, as I learned from someone who discipled me, the Word of God disciples. And so when we surrender to its authority and listen to it, God does amazing things in the context of community to change us from the inside out. And so uh, bring your Bibles with you to church. We're going to pick it up just right out of the gate. Verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Who's writing here? Paul and Timothy. Paul is known primarily as the main author here, but he had picked up Timothy along on one of his, first, on one of his missionary journeys and became his companion and his spiritual mentor in Timothy's life. And so they're writing here. And I don't want to miss this, though. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. The posture of their writing to the Philippian church, we don't want to miss that, their identity is rooted in the work of Jesus in their life. Jesus came to be a servant, so they are too. Their identity is rooted in him, and so they're rooted in Jesus, and now they're servants of the Philippian church. Okay, so that's who's writing here. Now, who is the audience? We have here, it's very explicit, to all of God's holy people. To some of, in some of your um, versions, it may say saints. To all of God's people, to all of God's holy people, in Christ Jesus, where? At Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And again, I want to note, note I, these identity statements for you. As you take in the Word of God, as we study this series, you need to see yourself, if you're a believer in Christ in here this morning, as God sees you, God's holy people. Some of you don't feel like that, but because of what Jesus has done on behalf of you, he sees you in and through his Son. The word holy, it just simply means set apart for God's special work or set apart for noble use. That's how God sees you. Paul is seeing his recipients, his audience, through the lens that Jesus sees them in. They're God's holy people in Christ Jesus. They're in a specific place called Philippi with the overseers or elders and the deacons. It's another word for servant, those who serve in the church. If you're wondering where Philippi is, you can see it here on the map. It's just north of the uh, GNC. And Philippi, this church, was planted in Paul's second missionary journey, um, somewhere around AD 50 or so. This is probably being written about 10 years later as he writes back to the church. Um, it was a very key city in a lot of ways. It, it actually became a city for retired Roman military personnel. They would make their way to this city. But there was a very significant highway that ran east and west um, just outside of the city. Um, gold mines and fresh water were two of the commodities that were very important in this city. And it was actually the first church, as we know what Europe is, the first church planted in Europe. If you remember the gospel story, it makes its way out of Jerusalem, it goes north to Antioch, and it begins to move west. It has made its way to Europe here in Philippi. Uh, this is uh, my wife, Pam, and I. We had the privilege of uh, being there about three months ago. Um, any other folks with us? Are you in there? Yeah, there's a, I see some of you. We were at a partner with Fellowship Little Rock, Fellowship Rogers, and Fellowship Fayetteville. And um, who knew they'd let someone preach like this with a hat on, you know? Go figure. Um, but this is just above where they think it, that it could have been, maybe where Paul was in prison there. Um, we're preaching kind of in that area. And then um, this is Pam. She was actually about to pray for our group there. And that's where they think Lydia's stream is. Um, in Acts chapter 16, uh, where she's confronted with the gospel. And so um, we get to um, experience and see where Philippi is. And so you can kind of see um, what God was doing here in a, this very significant Roman colony um, during this time. And so uh, these identity statements, as we move through this together, we understand the author and who's with him in Timothy, as we understand um, who's um, being written to, need to remember, and I want you to write outside Philippians 1, 1 and 2 in your Bible, just write Acts chapter 16, verses 12 to 40. Acts chapter 16, verses 12 to 40. You'll see them engage the gospel with a wealthy merchant, Lydia, 
um, with a slave girl, and then you'll see him engage the gospel with a Philippian jailer. And so you have multiple demographics, multiple socioeconomic strata coming together because of the gospel being united. And so I, I like to think that some of the people that are reading this letter are some of their converts, some that they had led to Christ as well. And there's likely multiple generations of Christians that had come from Lydia and even the Philippian jailer and his family. Verse 2, grace and peace. Again, we, we, we fly over a lot of times these introductions, but grace and peace to you. Grace in the New Testament. God's un, unmerited favor given to us in Christ. It also carries with it this idea of divine enablement. It's the power that God gives you to grow as a follower of Jesus. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that changes you. We need to remember that. Grace and peace, the peace that God gives you that Romans 5 speaks of. We have peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you, church, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we work through verses 3 to 11, I'm going to give you a simple outline to work through. If you're making notes, you can kind of bracket this off. We're going to look at a grateful joy. We're going to see a gospel partnership, and we're going to see that overflow into what I call a transformational prayer. And we're going to learn how to pray this for one another um, this fall. Pick it up here in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Paul is modeling for us from the heart a spiritual principle here. Gratitude or thankfulness produces joy. And when he is reminded of what God's doing in the Philippian church, he's overwhelmed with joy. It's the memory of the past with hope for the future. Those two things are colliding as he considers them. And I think he's pondering some of those memories, those first days of this church being planted and seeing God change lives. And um, no doubt, as we saw our brother Mark here, did you see his face? He came out of the water. No doubt, Paul, when he's thinking through his time there, he's got images of real people who maybe were baptized in Lydia's stream. They're just outside of Philippi. And he's got these images of people that have been transformed by the good news of Jesus. This overflowing joy. Let's remind ourselves, joy is not happiness. Happiness can be circumstantial. It's not a bad thing. Joy is something deep. And it's rooted in a steady trust in God's sovereign work in spite of your circumstance. Joy is steady. And Peter, when I think about you, from the first day I met you, you're a man of joy, and I know your circumstances have been tough, but you exhibit this kind of joy, and I appreciate that. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And then we see the core reason here in verse five, what this joy is rooted in. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, that word partnership comes from the word koinonia. It simply means fellowship or deep friendship. It carries with this, with this idea of something being shared with one another. If you're them, they have a shared belief in the risen Savior. 
his work on the cross on their behalf. They've got shared life change. They've got shared memories. They've shared in generosity to one another. People have sacrificed to make this mission ongoing in the city of Philippi. And then we see these words. I, I, I like to call it just a shared emotional connection that's got spiritual roots to it. Um, consider some of these words, defending, confirming, sharing. He uses the phrase here, in my heart, affection, which is actually a, a word that, that speaks to this idea of being visceral, literally means the heart, the lungs, the liver. It, we might say this in South, in our gut, right? Deep down, he's got this deep affection for them. He feels something for them. He longs for them. Some of your versions might say he yearns for them. And it made me think about some of those early converts in Acts 16 and, um, and some of those images. And maybe Lydia's house became a place where they had their first home group or community group, their first cell group. And they, they met in her great room in her house. And she was one who was hospitable to the early church. And so he goes back to some of those memories and longs for those days. I've I, I wondered if the Philippian jailer and some of his family, how old they were when they came to Christ. And maybe he's got a teenager now, the Philippian jailer, and, and they're trying to help their daughter or son in the teenage years follow Jesus. And, and Paul's thinking about, how do, I, how do I make this come alive for them in this letter? As well, he's got these, I and mean, so he shares in these memories in this partnership. But the core thing this partnership is rooted in is this word that we call the gospel. I think it's fair, right out of the outset of a series, to make sure that we're all on the, on the same page uh, with what the word gospel is, because that is the core and the root of our joy and our partnership. Jesus came to bring good news. The gospel at its core root is the proclamation that there's a new king in town, and his name is Jesus. And what he did, based on the scriptures, becomes the message of the person of the gospel. It's the message. We know about it, and you can write these down in your margins of your Bible and your workbook there. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, this is the gospel that he defends, that he stands in that Jesus Christ came, he, was, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected on the third day, he appeared. These are the essential elements of the gospel. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. We learned in 1 Peter 3.18 that Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. These are the core essential elements of the gospel message. In Romans 5, he says that God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now on the screen here, we've got a gospel cheat sheet and it's coming here in a couple of weeks in chapter two. It's a summary through if you might, might wanna see it as a hymn of this gospel message, the death and the exaltation and the resurrection of Jesus. See it in verse seven. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, his incarnation. 
being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on his cross, his crucifixion. Then God raises him up. He highly exalts him to the highest place, gives him the name that's above every name. And you get king language here, the proclamation of this king and this kingdom that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, when Paul uses the word gospel, it's wrapped up in this person and work of Jesus, the man. It's also this message that they're on mission together. And so when he talks about gospel or gospel ministry, he's on mission with the Philippian church and taking this gospel to places that it has yet been heard. We also, when we hear the gospel, we think of the other teachings of Jesus that we find in our gospels. Those are, those are the things that should come to our mind when we think of the word gospel. Now, I want to make sure that since, since we're all getting on the same page here, um, what this means for us, okay? Um, for those of you that are in Christ in here this morning, this gospel that you stand in, it has implications, all right? It means you've been justified or made right before God because Jesus took on God's wrath towards your sin in your place. He set you free. He redeemed you. He adopted you into his family as, your, as his son and daughter. He made peace between you and God. You've been reconciled. He's made you alive together with Christ. You've been regenerated and given a new heart. Is that not good news? It is great news. Never grow weary of preaching that message to yourself, okay? Now, I know, and I don't know how many, but I know we've got a lot of students in here this morning. Okay, I want to personalize this for you. Some of you believe this message, and it's, it's personal. You've owned your walk with Jesus, and you believe what he's done for you. Some of you have done some things in the last month since you've come to Fayetteville that you swore you would never do. I want to ask you, before this semester slips away, before it's too late, turn from your sin and run back to him. That gospel is still good news to you. I know some of you have an over-under on how long it takes me to cry over church service. You better be tithing on whatever you make on your buddies on that, though. <laughs> Punks. <laughs> the response to the gospel, for those of you that are outside or don't understand it, is to believe. Turn from being your own king and turn to the true king and believe this good news. Rely on, trust, depend on. It's sufficient for life. Paul saw it in Philippi. This is what connects them to him and Timothy. And this is what they sacrifice to advance the gospel. Do you have partners in the gospel in your life? Partnerships? To keep me from crying even more, I'm not going to go through this room and mention all the names and the memories I have with so many of you. I do want to mention a friend of mine. He lives in another state. Um, his name is Swayze. And uh, for 29 years, I've been in gospel partnership with him. And yeah, he has only an old Miss hat, and that's why he needs the gospel, right? <laughs> um, 
And so through his generosity, he invested in my wife and I's ministry uh, when we were serving down at the University of Mississippi and trying to communicate the good news of Jesus and his hope um, in, in Greek life down there. And uh, he partnered with us in that. Um, he drove our U-Haul here as we crossed the Mississippi to move to Fayetteville some 23 years ago. He's con- he continued to invest our ministry. He actually invested some of his money to see the gospel go to the U- University of Arkansas as well. Um, for the last 23 years, in some way, we communicate every week. And we share burdens together. Um, He's an elder at a church much like this one. And they're gathered this morning celebrating the finished work of Jesus in his resurrection right now. He's on their baptism team. And so he celebrates those moments right there. We were on the phone just the other day and I noticed that his voice was heavy. And I, Swayze, your your voice is, what's going on? He goes, it's been hard at work. Um, He's got a daughter getting ready to get married. And so we're celebrating that. And so we share this gospel partnership, but our friendship was rooted in from the beginning what Jesus had done for us and being on mission together. Do you have someone like that in your life? Gospel partnership. Every time I think of him, I have great joy in my heart. We love spending time together and sharing burdens with one another. And what it does we see that here, happen here with Paul as well. It overflows. I pray for my, my friend Swayze a lot. He calls me, and every time he leaves me that 12-second um, voicemail, he's like, just checking in with you, seeing how I can be praying for you this week. That's about how he says it. He's praying for me because we have a gospel partnership, and we see Paul do that here. This is my prayer, that your love may abound, Philippian church, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That idea of abound carries with this, this idea of overflowing. What is love in the New Testament? Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Love is sacrificial. It's sacrifice for the benefit of another. God's love for us, our love on behalf of others for the benefit of one another here in this church. Philippian church, I pray that your sacrificial love would abound more and more in knowledge, the word that's used here. Specifically here, this word knowledge carries with it the idea of experiential knowledge. There is a knowledge that's his understanding of facts about certain things, okay? This carries with it a experiential knowledge, something that has made us home, not just in our head, but in our heart here, to understand love that has depth of insight. Now, now, watch how this reads here in verse 10. So that, it's your first, your, your, your first big request here, Paul, that your love may abound for the Philippian church, so that you may be able to discern what is best. It's very interesting The concept of sacrificial love and understanding God's love for you, your love for other people, is actually the discerning element that helps you walk in holiness and blameless and being a blameless person before God. He says, discern what is best and may be pure. This is our second big request. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Love becomes this this discerning factor in your moral choices that are rooted in the gospel. Because of God's great love for you, your love for him, your love for other people's 
You discern what is best and therefore walk in purity. The word for pure there literally means without mixture. It's pure. You think of pure gold. There's no unclean elements in pure gold. It's a recognition here. He says this blamelessness as we look to the day of Christ is rooted in what? Verse 11. He said, be filled with the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This righteousness is not a righteousness of your own. It's one that's been granted to you by his grace in Christ. Now, that's our standing. Then there's this process, and we call that, if you need a big word, you might want to use it lunch this week, sanctification. It's the process of growing in where you stand in God, with God, okay? He sees you in Christ. Now he's going to grow you in him this side of heaven. So this is the process he's in. And so he's wanting you to walk in purity and be a blameless person that's rooted in the gospel and then ultimately living to the praise and the glory of God. Now, I, I tried to actually pray this this morning um, for my family. I was walking back here, watching the sun come up. How cool was it that it was under 60 degrees this morning? Um, it was really, I know, I got a flannel out, probably premature, but I did. Um, and I just put my family's names in this prayer. And I just said, God, let's do this. I'm going to ask this on behalf of them. If I was praying that for you, Andy, and Julie, and your family, and thank you for serving and celebrate recovery. This passage is full of stories that are coming out of CR and the gospel power to change people. This might be how I would do it. Maybe you could try it this week. Father, this is maybe how I would say it. God, I pray that Andy and Julia's love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight for each other. Pray for your marriage, for their children, for their Celebrate Recovery leaders. Pray they'd understand your deep love for them so that that love would help them know how to be pure and blameless in their home as they parent two little ones. So that as they're in traffic in Fayetteville, they would be pure and blameless because they know the day of Christ is coming. I would pray that for them. I pray they'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, that Jesus is enough and his righteousness is sufficient for them. They don't have to be self-righteous. They can trust in that and they can walk in the truth of that. God, I pray that Andy, that, that Andy it's a nice combo name, that Andy and Julia, that they would live lives to your praise and your glory, and they wouldn't make much of themselves. That might be how I would pray for someone. Can you do that this week? Mark Yon, I see you over there. Can you pray that for me this week? I need it. Yeah, let's pray this prayer for one another. It's transformational. Let me end with this. Super excited for the next 11 weeks together as a church family. And I've been asking, my question, I've been asking this question. What if we were a church? that. And I just did a devotional read through the letter, and I just started noting phrases. If we were this kind of church, 
what kind of light would we be in Fayetteville? And I want you to hear it this morning. Because this is what we can, in Christ, in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection. This is the kind of church I think Paul's praying for here. What if we were a church that were united in a partnership around the gospel above all else? Above all other opinions on different things and priorities, but around this gospel message? What if we walked in grateful joy? What if we prayed transformational prayers? What if the righteousness of Jesus for you today was enough and not one person in the room postured yourself as self-righteous? What if you really believed that his righteousness is enough? What if we saw ourselves as servants as Paul and Timothy did? What if we saw ourselves as God's holy people set apart for noble use? What if we were so ready to die as Paul was and be with Christ? How good would that be? We were so ready that we were willing to remain here on this planet for the benefit of others inside this church to see God's name, the name of Jesus be made famous? What if we dropped our selfish ambition and considered the interest of others? What if your current circumstance was God's opportunity for you to share the gospel with someone in that circumstance? What if our God was not our stomach and flesh? What if we counted everything as lost for the sake of knowing Jesus? What if we didn't grumble or complain? What if our minds weren't consumed with our earthly trinkets? What if God's peace through prayer gutted our anxieties? What if our minds were full of pure and honorable thoughts? What if we were content in abundance and need? What if our generosity set us free from slavery to our possessions? What if, what if, what if? What if the kind of joy we're gonna learn together comes through suffering? What if this is what Fellowship Fayetteville looked like? Would we stand out as lights in a dark world? Would this be different? Would this be a different kind of community? Instead of asking what if, why not? We have God's spirit in us. We've got his word before us. People around us. Let's be this kind of church and let's be light in a dark place as we take this journey together. Let's pray. Father, thanks for adopting us into your family and uh, making us sons and daughters and making us heirs. An eternal inheritance that we already possess and it drives us to that day. God, I pray that these heavenly truths would become earthly realities in our day-to-day decisions. Father, I pray that our joy would overflow because of our gospel partnership with one another. God, give us the grace to pray transformational prayers, your word, on behalf of others this week. Thanks for our church family. Thank you for sending Paul on that Philippian road so on the good news so that we could share in its joy.
Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we respond and worship this morning?
Amen. Father, let us believe that this morning. The battle of sin has been conquered by your son, Jesus. He defeated sin and death. He rose from the grave. And so because of that, we can have confidence. We can walk in confidence. We can press on as a church body. Church, let's sing this together. Press on, press on, we are safe in his arms. When troubles and trials come our way, we see peace, show grace, and hold fast to your faith for our Savior. over each other this morning. Let's sing it again. Press on, press on. We are safe in His arms. When troubles and trials come our way, oh, see peace, show grace, and hold fast to available through the doors on your right. There's communion available in there as well. Have a great week of worship. We'll see you this time next week.